Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Benjamin Decker. Benjamin is an author. His newest book is called Modern Spirituality. Uh, He's a really cool guy. He has a lot of different teachings and meditation and different religious practices. So uh, enjoy the conversation. It's great. Please like and subscribe on the podcast. Give it a good rating. Check me out on Facebook and uh, Instagram, all that shit, at NewerKidWai. And uh, let's enjoy this episode together. Guys, my guest this week. Benjamin Decker. All right, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here with Benjamin Decker, author of Modern Spirituality. Thanks for joining me, Benjamin. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you, Norm. Uh, yeah, man, uh, your book is great. Uh, this is your fourth book, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to introduce you to my audience. So uh, why don't you do that? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and like tell us about your uh, childhood and growing up, and then how you kind of got into this whole. Uh, kind of the spirituality and everything. Uh, Right, yeah, I wrote uh, my most recent book, my fourth book is Modern Spirituality. My first book is Practical Meditation for Beginners, and um, I've got two other books. Um, And all the the underlying theme of all of them uh, is directly linked to my childhood, I think. Uh, The underlying theme of all of them is about uh, the fact that all of the different ancient spiritual traditions have great wisdom in them. All of the different cultures and uh, traditions are compatible when you look at their deepest core. And uh, on the surface, they're they're blatantly incompatible in so many ways, you know. And um, the so the idea is uh, based on a principle that I was taught growing up that there is the difference between the letter of the law which means the specific words or the specific details of the way a law or rule is written. And then there's the spirit of the law, which is about why that rule is written, why that law is written. And, um, and so the, the, what I believe is that the areas where we really disagree and we, where we're really at odds are areas where all of us need to rethink what we've been believing for generations. And then the areas where we agree uh, is where all of us need to rethink whether we're really standing in integrity with with that. And um, I was raised, I'm a direct descendant of the pioneer families, What we that's what we call them, the founding families of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, a, a new world religion that was started about 200 years ago. It's Christianity with a twist, with a new book, with a new scripture. Uh, the Book of Mormon, and the concept is that there are there are things that we do as a, a community that affect uh, the higher world, the the eternities, and so there there's a practice of becoming as much like Christ as possible. We literally call it becoming a saint um, by by overcoming your lower nature, by overcoming your, what, what they call the natural man. That's what, what they call it in the Book of Mormon. So you become a saint. That's the whole point of the religion and the tradition that I was not only born into, but really my entire family created it, you know? And so 
uh, as as both as first and foremost a channeling of the Book of Mormon, the 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 release into the world of a of a new scripture, um, but then also through uh, sort of adoption of occult and esoteric principles that that go back to ancient Egypt via the Freemasonry lineage, um, you know, paired with the Judeo-Christian Islamic Abrahamic tradition with the Old and the New Testament King James, you know, so that's the that's sort of like the spiritual psychological reality that I was born into. And one of the great principles of the founding documents of that church, which was more than my family's religion because it was our family, you know, so it was like our DNA. It was almost like our, our race, you know, like being Mormon isn't a race because there's it's international and there's people of all races, but it's a culture, you know. And so being born into that, the there's an idea that that everyone's got something good and that God has always been speaking to all the people all over the world and that there's truth everywhere to be sought and found um, and so so that gave me sort of the original imprint that led me to seeking about spirituality about the other side about what happens after we die what happens before we are born um, the the higher principles of the universe and miracles so actual demonstrations of miraculous occurrences, UFO sightings, near-death experiences, um, astral projection, phenomena, and uh, of course, um, it all comes back to society. So how we live together in a day-to-day -day basis. So it all kind of came together through just sort of living life. I was always interested in those things and then became a Reiki master meditation teacher, hypnotherapist, got a million different certifications, truth seeker, you know, creative here and there. And um, and now most interested in the intersectionality of the higher principles of wisdom that are universal and their relationship with society and politics. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty damn amazing, man. Uh, I and uh, I like how you were saying, like, so now your interest is in those like higher um like higher principles um so you basically like in the book you actually kind of laid this out a little bit that uh, you talk about higher nature and lower nature so do you want to kind of maybe explain that to the audience a little bit and uh yeah let us know what definitely. that's about definitely we all have different aspects of ourselves um you know there's there's that song i think it was like a 90s song maybe not i don't i don't remember who it was but the the lyrics were can we forget about the things I said when I was drunk, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and you don't need to be drunk on a substance to be drunk. You can be drunk emotionally um, and you can be swept up in a moment. And uh, it's like, can we forget about the things I said when I was being unmindful? Can we forget about the things that I said when I wasn't really being myself? Look, we all have different aspects of ourselves. There's the part of you that wants to eat the double cheeseburger, and then the part of you that knows that that's not the right thing to do. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a it's a in a way it's multiplicity, but in another way it's the way we process life. And um, there is an aspect of ourselves, um, theoretically, based on um, the spiritual worldview. There is an aspect of ourselves that was never born and will never die. And that aspect is consciousness, 
that aspect is spirit, it's eternity, it's our connection to the to God, uh, to the universe, to the creative force behind all things, and that's our higher nature. And then, and that's where our highest wisdom and great creative intelligence—that's the crown chakra. And then we have our lower nature. And our lower nature is all of the chakras besides the crown chakra. Our lower nature is what the what they call in the Book of Mormon the natural man. Our lower nature is our lower animalistic urges. Sometimes we call it our animal nature or our material nature. The the part of us that has the lower urges that's demonstrated through greed, addiction, lust, gluttony, all the all the typicals, you know, the, their, their telltale signs that someone's not operating out of their spirit. They're operating out of their lower nature versus their higher nature. So the lower nature is the part of you that eats the double cheeseburger anyway uh, and wants the double cheeseburger. And then the higher nature is the part of you that doesn't even want the cheeseburger to begin with. Uh, the higher nature is the part of you that is like over here trying to encourage you not to take it. And, and you know, you think about that angel on the on the one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder, you know, and they're you. It's not another entity. It's not another being. It's you as a sovereign free will being having a creative decision about how you're going to approach whatever whatever's going on. Sometimes you choose to have the cheeseburger, and sometimes you're happy that you did that, and sometimes you're not happy that you did that, and then the cycle continues. You know, and so the the higher nature is the wisdom that you've already got, the spirit, and the lower nature is the temporary experience of what what it's like to be a, an animal human creature right now. 100%. And uh, so, like, I think we can all agree, like, spiritual uh, development is almost pretty much trying to connect with the higher nature and pretty much be aware of the no lower nature so it doesn't take control of you, right? Exactly. Definitely. Okay. Um, so, like, uh, you do, uh, like, in your book, you have, like, so many different, um, like, uh, practices and stuff that you can help exercise to kind of, like, understand the principles that you're talking about. Uh, we can't go into all of them because you it's a very uh, in-depth book, but, like, uh, let's talk about a couple of them. Um, I think my favorite one or one that I always like to talk about is kind of, like, understanding our inner narration that, like, we have in our thoughts, and uh, you do a great job of, like, um, even making meditation practice to kind of see that inner narration and then actually kind of uh, actually work on changing it. Um, do you want to uh, maybe go into that a little bit, uh, explain that to my audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to preface it a little bit because the first and foremost thing is about actually experiencing the fullness of your life right now. So what I'm about to say, these are tools to help understand your own life as it is from different perspectives so you can make conscious changes. So what I'm about to say in an unbalanced way could actually cause someone to overanalyze their life, think about it too symbolically and therefore not embody it. Um, and so, so that's a, that's the, that's the disclaimer. You always want to be present and actually living the life, not overanalyzing and um, not not living as so detached from life that you're not in the true experience of it. You know? uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the preface. But yeah, like you said, the inner narration, we have we have a an inner dialogue uh, 
that processes what's going on. I like this. I don't like this. I don't like the way he said that. I don't like the tone of this. I don't like the color of that. I like this. Ooh, that smells good. What's that? Ooh, yum. Oh, yuck. You know, we have these, all these different thoughts. Sometimes they even contradict. Sometimes if we were to really zoom into each thought, we would realize that each one is like a spectrum. And if you say, I like that, you're not really, it's not one thought that says, I, I like that. You zoom in and it's every gradient of like and dislike. You have all those thoughts programmed unconsciously just in the phrase, I like that. It's, it's an infinite number of other possibilities. Just one thought has all these different expressions. And so the, the idea is that everything that, that populates the most conscious, active, part of your mind that you experience right now. So everyone listen to your own thoughts right now. What are you thinking now? Those thoughts, the most active things that come up in your mind right now, those are the thoughts that are mostly influenced by what you're experiencing now and mostly influenced by what you've heard before, what you've taken in, what I call in the book psychic diet your psychic nutrition, what your psyche takes in. So the words and the radio shows and the songs and the lyrics and, and everything that you take in um, acts as raw data for all those thoughts to be drawn from. And so the inner narrative is sort of a shuffling together spread of all of the different things that you've experienced as they are triggered and related to with your emotional and energetic bodies as you move through life. So different circumstances call up different uh, sympathetic resonances in the memory and you remember this and you remember that and it, and it causes different associations. I smell this, I smell, I go past Cinnabon at the mall. My mom used to make cinnamon rolls. I want to go to Cinnabon. You know, you get these, and then you, then you have the present moment higher nature. And then the higher nature says, dude, you don't go to Cinnabon. It's not the right thing. You don't need the Cinnabon. And then you breathe and you allow that higher nature message to make its way into the body. <sighs> and you say, I'm not going to eat the effing Cinnabon. Why? Because I don't want to harm my body. I don't want to abuse my body right now. I don't need the Cinnabon, you know. Um, and so the the inner narrative is is all that chatter that's going on in your mind at any given time. Um, I, I like to give a couple different examples, you know, remembering that disclaimer, um, that these are just tools to help you observe and experience your own life from different perspectives. Um, but one of the tools that I like to look at is uh, looking at your life like it's a, a blockbuster movie, like it's a box office hit, $100 million plus budget movie and that you're the star of this movie. And what are, you know, what are we learning? What's the character? Every single moment, what you did before you listened to this podcast, when you were by yourself, that hour, that hour was, was part of your movie. That hour of what you did all by yourself is part of that movie. Who am I when just the audience is watching? It's just me and the, and the universe, you know? Um, and so you look at your life like it's a novel and you're the, you're one of the main characters. You look at your life and you're uh, as a movie, you look at your life as a myth, as an epic myth. And you're the Krishna of your myth. You're the Jesus of your myth. You're the, you're the Hercules of your myth. 
you know, and you take a moment and you look at it and it's not to overinflate and it's not to blaspheme. It's to look at your life and recognize your own divine origin, that you are a child of divine source, and then say, what is the epic mythos he's going to live out right now? Who, what is this character doing? How are they approaching these things? How are they? And it's and it becomes an active imagination dialogue, so that inner narrative is no longer an automatic chatter from the unfoldment, like a chemical reaction of whatever you've already experienced. It becomes a conscious. You you remind yourself of who you are, you know, and you and you remind yourself temporarily. You, you reflect on that meditation as a movie. Your life is a movie. The, this challenge that you're going through is a scene in a movie. What's the right thing to happen next? What would you yell at the TV screen? Don't go, don't open the door, don't open the door, why door? Oh man, he opened the door, now the monster's there. You know, and if he would have just left the door open, the monster couldn't open the door from the other side. You know what I mean? There's there are things that come up in our minds when we depersonalize the circumstances and we must get real and realize we're not perfect. And it's and it helps when we look at ourselves as a character in a movie. We realize we're not perfect. We see ourselves objectively and then we can support that character through wisdom, love, compassion and intelligence and help craft that new narrative yeah but it does take practice you know it does take practice. yeah a hundred percent and it uh yeah it does take practice but uh a lot of like how you were saying it first is to kind of recognize it and um kind of see it because uh, i even in your book you were talking about um the more you actually start paying attention to your uh inner narrative and like do these practices you talk about you can start coming down into your core beliefs and um like maybe do you want to like kind of see uh, or tell our audience like what these core beliefs are because like the truth is once you start actually seeing like what or actually yes uh, being aware of what you believe like inside of you and you can find some beliefs that are really hindering your like progress uh, spiritually or in any kind of part of your life um so if you want to maybe tell our audience like um once you start recognizing these core beliefs what they are and like how they affect you Right. I was just speaking with a client yesterday who was saying, um, who had who had this complaint and they said, you know, I'm concerned about this. Look, I've got this just right. I've got this just right. I've got everything just right. I've got this perfectly. I have an unwavering commitment to my guru. I have an unwavering commitment to my nutrition plan. And he said the word unwavering three different times. And I just wanted to say, why don't you let it waver a little bit? Breathe. Soften what you think you already know. It doesn't mean you need to go do anything that crosses a boundary. Be unwavering with your boundaries. Yeah. But when it comes to certain things, especially with other people, okay, don't cheat on your wife. You know what I mean? When, when, when I'm talking about this, I'm not giving you permission to go do something that's blatantly dysfunctional because you're, you're wavering. You know what I mean? What we want to do is soften a little bit. We, we don't know everything. The, the, the introduction to my first book, Practical Meditation for Beginners, um, first of all, it's called Practical Meditation for Beginners, but it's actually med advanced meditation techniques. So the, the idea that, that it's called Practical Meditation for Beginners is because we need to cultivate a beginner's mind. And so I didn't want to write a book, Advanced Techniques for Expert Meditators. 
because you're going to get the most blocked, egocentric, crazy people attracted to that book. What I wanted was sincere, open-hearted, open-minded people who would say, okay, I'm going to look at this beginner's book. And then you end up providing them a lot more than they realize they would be able to handle, but they're perfectly available. They're perfectly ready to handle it because of that beginner's mind. And that's, that's where we, we, we get our, our core beliefs. We have to realize that there are unconscious things already l directing our lives. Carl Jung says, um, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our lives and we will call it fate. And so what we want to do is realize that, that we're participating. You know, the, the little decisions that we make are, are from unconscious beliefs. And, and what we want to do is tune into them. When we, when we have a deeper relationship to, okay, well, my relationship to food right now, for whatever reason, is not getting me the healthy body that I want and need right now. If nothing else, this pandemic has highlighted that we must take excellent care of our bodies. We must support our immune systems. And so a lot of people are saying, wow, I don't want to eat sugar because it, it hinders my immune system. It causes inflammation. It makes me more receptive to viral contraction, you know? And so your old belief around sugar, that it's not a big deal and that it's okay to have 20 grams of sugar in my breakfast cereal in the morning. Your old belief around sugar now needs to change, you know, and there are core beliefs that are unconscious and some of them are, are little like that, like sugar is not a big deal, you know? Well, sugar is highly addictive and it does have a huge impact on your emotions and your body and your body's ability to process nutrients and you know a whole long list of other things and it, and it's directly linked to all of the major causes of death hello you know outside of accident etc it's related to heart disease it's related to diabetes it's related to cancer it aggravates all three of these things which are major major healthcare problems in all different cultures around the world to varying degrees so what we're what we're looking at is we have core beliefs that need to change one of our collective national core beliefs in the United States is a relationship. It's an unconscious core belief in relationship to healthcare. We have to proactively cultivate health. We have to proactively cultivate health by a hundred years ago. If you were running down the street, they'd be like, is everything okay? What's wrong? Who are you running from? What are you running to? What do you need? But today, it's in consciousness that if you run, it's good for you. Running has a bunch of different benefits, just running. Life has become so easy. We have to choose to just run just because we need to run. We no longer have to run to or from things as much, you know? And so, so there, there's a core belief around running that changed a core belief around the basal metabolic rate that changed, uh, a core belief around the body that changed collectively. And now we need that collectively around healthcare, around housing, around the economic process, fine finances, around interest rates, around banking. You know, there's a lot of different things where we have collective core beliefs that are hurting more people than helping. And and the the ratio to hurting versus helping is higher than you think. 
It's higher than people realize. It's not, well, half of America is Republican and half is Democrat. No, no, no. It doesn't matter who, what you identify as. The way this economic system, it can harm you whether you know it'll harm you or not. Sugar was bad for you before we knew it was bad for you. Now we know, so now we got to change that core belief. And we have to say, look, I'm going to have monk fruit sweetener instead of sugar, which is a zero calorie, super sweet, antioxidant superfood that's going to give my body nutrients and it's sweet. Boom. Teach me, make me some ice cream with that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You create a core belief change and then a behavioral change can ha happen. I'm no longer making ice cream with sugar. I'm making it with monk fruit. And now my ice cream is a freaking superfood. Boom. You know, that's the evolution that we want. That's the kind of healing that we want in our lives. That's a symbol for the kinds of success and, and achievement and overcoming that you can experience by identifying the core belief cutting it out you know getting getting rid of it cut that out cut that shit out you know what i mean look at the core belief realize that you might not be right about it breathe into it and be a smart person make a new decision do a smart thing you can be smart you're freaking smart you know it's, it's a, we're all smart people we have to just take that moment to recognize what the core belief is and be smart right then right there with that core belief in ourselves and it's you know just like everything it does take time it takes time yeah and uh and the one thing i love about your book is like you always uh, make these like practices at the end of chapters or even in the middle that uh can help you get to this and uh i, I love you have a mixture of like meditation and journaling which uh is like kind of what my uh, path has been for the last like few years and that's really helped me and uh especially with your core beliefs like to be meditating and journaling at the same time um, because you meditate and gets you to your higher nature, like you would say, gets you to that uh, more present state where you can actually uh, look at your core beliefs uh, without uh, judge judgment. And then exactly. that's where you can like write them down so that now they're on paper and they're there for you to like keep looking at. And this is how like you can really um, be able to like make these changes and these big uh, core beliefs and, uh, yeah, exactly. like uh, so. I want to say something about that. the The reason we do that, and this is a this is something that the uh, Christian monks used to do, and they called it lectio divina, and they would read the sacred words, and then they would meditate and pray on them, and then they would write about it, and they they'd contemplate and write, and so and so I tried to infuse my books all all of them with those aspects where with modern spirituality the idea is we we have the sacred word part which is truth so i'm not saying that this book is scripture but i am saying that it's my attempt at truth so it's it's truth so we we begin by reading the words of truth and letting the letting the healing ideas come in you know the because the truth is just healing by itself just knowing that we're all one is the greatest healing that can that can come through. Knowing, you know, shifting from from fear and disconnection to love and and connection is is a healing idea just on its own. So you go into the book and you study the healing ideas, 
And then you go into that practice with it, the exercise, the meditation, and then you, which takes you into a certain state of consciousness. And so you were in a state of consciousness before you started reading. And then by reading, doing the exercise, and then, and, and having that meditative consciousness genuinely saturate you, you enter into a new state of consciousness and then you put pen to paper and it's like, leave an imprint, write it down. Cause you're not always here. This part of you is not always the loud part of you. This is usually the quiet, shy, timid part of you that's hiding, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't want to be out there when you're being crazy, when your anger and crazy and greed and selfishness and impatience is out there, you know? And so you put pen to paper because that's an imprint of a really, really clean, it's theoretically intended to be an opportunity for you to leave an imprint of the cleanest aspect of your highest nature. A hundred percent. And uh, yeah, like you were saying, you're not always going to be there. So you're not always in that meditative state because when you go back into your lower nature and let's say if you go back into some like habitual pattern that uh, our behavior like you're going to get sucked in and like we all know when we're in like a habitual pattern when we're like ooh, i want that uh, bad food or i want this or that like we mm -hmm. all know like our minds only thinking about that our minds completely on that the whole idea of like uh scope uh, like scoping back and like looking at the behavior and being like hey what is this like that doesn't mm -hmm. exist at that time and that's sort of the jedi magic part of this whole thing the whole jedi mind magic the mind control part, no one's controlling your mind, it's you controlling your mind. So when I say mind control, it's you controlling your own mind. But it's that moment when you used to love the um, blah, blah, blah taco at Taco Bell. You used to just love the blah, blah, blah taco and it was like so good with all its blah, blah, blah. And you used to get it every time. And now when you drive past a Taco Bell, you think about the blah, blah, blah taco. You've decided I'm not going to eat total garbage and inflame my body anymore. So I'm not going to have any more Taco Bell for the rest of my life. And so you're saying like that's part of my reality now. And now when you drive by, there's a part of you that has that muscle memory that has those neural pathways, that template, that those directions, you know exactly how to do it. You know how to get into that drive-through. You know exactly what to call it. You know the magic words. You know, you might even know the exact number it'll cost. It's, you know, it's $9.27 or whatever, you know. And so you, you have to battle the inertia of all those past experiences. And so you have to be willing for it to be a little bit uncomfortable for a little bit. And that's the refiner's fire, uh, the, the purification, the baptism by fire, so to speak, where, where that tension, that challenge, <sighs> you kind of got to breathe through it and you kind of sometimes got to talk yourself through it and you got to, oh, Lord, if you listen, give me strength right now. You know, sometimes you got to, you got to do what you got to do to get strength, but you you want those challenging places in the workout where it's a, you want to feel the burn in the workout, you know, and, and that's what changes the nervous system and changes the brain rewires the muscle memory. It rewires the neural pathways and you've got a new template in your system. You've got a, you've, you've amplified and strengthened and, and deepened the imprint of that new healthy behavior 
every time you drive past Taco Bell and think about something else. Every time you drive past a Taco Bell and don't go in and a day goes by, you've imprinted a new, you've tweaked your frequency to a new timeline where greater health, greater possibilities available to you, you know, but choosing that intervention for yourself, choosing your own intervention. Yeah. And, uh, even like, uh, I can even skip ahead to like, uh, another part of your book, because this is kind of the same thing you're talking about. Um, but it, it is kind of changing those, uh, like choosing your intervention, but like you talk about practicing loving kindness meditation and like uh, compassionate meditation. And, uh, this is something I remember I did, uh, a couple of few years ago that really helped me. And this was, um, just because like I was a comedian or I still am a comedian, but like um, when I was uh, doing, uh, when I was kind of like uh, observing my mind and everything, I, I noticed like I had a lot of like jealousy. I had a lot of resentment and especially for other comedians when their career started taking off and I felt like so, mine wasn't. So typical. It's oh, cool. comedians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like uh, this a was, it is. And uh, so like uh, this was one thing I started, uh, practicing loving kindness meditation where you would think about somebody you really love like maybe a family member and you generate that loving feeling and let it absorb your body and then you'd start thinking of the people that brought up those uh feelings of resentment jealousy and then try to give that love back to them and it slowly started to weaken that uh, the jealousy the resentment and this is me kind of choosing that I don't I, I recognize this jealousy and resentment are those lower nature of me that don't do nothing but cause me pain. But mm-hmm. now that I can like put that love on those people that the cause that it really weakened those um, those mm-hmm. uh, pathways. And like now I now I really don't deal with resentment and jealousy that much at all. And it's allowed me and even my career to flourish a lot better because of that. Well, yeah, and what's interesting about that is is two things. One, if jealousy and resentment arises, we've got to vent it out. We've got to deal with it. We have to integrate it. But if it's not arising um, at all, if it's genuinely not arising, we're getting into a good place. That's part of why self-knowledge is so crucial. Are you suppressing the jealousy and resentment? Are you ignoring the jealousy and resentment, letting it pickle, letting it build, letting it ferment, letting it increase in potency letting it you know become infected or are you genuinely healing in a way where that's not your trigger right now that's not that's not what that's not the lesson you're going through right now you're going through a different thing that's not that's not a challenge right now you know and so and only only the individual one of us can ever know those kinds of things but it's in these kinds of practices that we even think to ask that question you know it's it's in these kinds of contemplative practices and so some of the, a big part of the the whole purpose of this book is to merge uh, uh, effective spiritual principles that um the majority of the world religions already agree on with uh, scientifically proven techniques to allow you to transform one of the core principles of all traditions is to is to like you said is to uh, refine and alchemize those, I'm using different words, but to refine and alchemize the lower nature into higher nature. It's the spiritual journey of going up Jacob's ladder. It's, it's refinement. It's shedding layers and, and getting back to the core of who you are. It's being born again. 
it's it's always coming back to that that refinement the deeper purity you know uh walking the steps of initiation upwards greater maturity greater purity greater goodness ah 100 percent. and like uh even you were saying um because like you're just saying refinement and rebirth and like these are kind of uh like terms used in like developmental psychology as well where like uh, Jung will be saying stuff like uh talking about uh, different developmental stages of your life and where you will have like a sort of rebirth which involves like a death of your a part of yourself right and I know like a lot of eastern philosophies kind of have their own uh, way that they look at the path of like going above so yeah that's uh that's very cool um I and I love how you like talk about uh, well and in Christianity we talk about getting to heaven we talk about being with God we talk about going to the throne room with God being like God Jesus is our brother becoming he's the son of God becoming as much like him as possible you know those are the core things that are that are like really beautiful aspects of of Christianity that sometimes when we get into churchianity we we lose the the spirit we lose we we go too deep into the letter of the law and we forget about the spirit of the law and the letter of the law has to change with every generation but the spirit of the law never changes you know and so there's there's getting to heaven there's climbing the ladder there's um the 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 raising of the vibration people are saying more and more people are saying i want to raise my vibration you know raising your vibration isn't about um skin care and um and like nice music those things can be a part of it i even talk about self-care metaphysical self-care in in the book but um it's more about your heart than anything and in one of these books uh, one of these chapters in modern spirituality i talk about something my friend jennifer sodini introduced me to when we were in egypt together um, around the notion of a ma'at. Um, oh, the, wait, sorry, say that again. Ma'at, M-A-apostrophe-A-T. Okay. And it's an Egyptian archetype. And when you die, she is, I, I, I describe it in one of the chapters, at the beginning of one of the chapters. She essentially takes your heart and puts it on one end of a balance scale. And then a sacred ostrich plume, ostrich feather on the other end. And if your heart is as light as a feather, then you can go on to the uh, the higher dimensions. And otherwise there's like a, an alternate fate. Um, but the it's it's allowing the heart to be light, pure. It's not it's not denying your character defects or mistakes. It's about working through them and having a sincere desire to work through them allowing your heart to be to be in that open place sometimes they call it a broken heart you know but as rumi says we sometimes need to break our heart um you will keep breaking your heart until it opens i believe is the translation you'll keep breaking your heart until it opens so it's supposed to be open it won't break if it's open mm -hmm. and uh yeah and i think how you were saying like uh how we talk about like pain or those negative uh, kind of parts of ourselves like that we want to work through I, I like how you said like you can't just stop it like that that's when you kind of resist it and that's when you make the problem even worse like you have to kind of allow it to be and 
almost just kind of observe it and like kind of let it uh, take its shape through that and kind of observe it with your higher self kind of thing. Um, is that, am I saying that properly? Mm-hmm. And that's well articulated. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I do love talking about on this podcast is like finding direction in life, finding purpose. Like this is something I, uh, I think a lot of the people who listen to my podcast uh, like to hear about because this is something I've always been interested in. Like I've always wanted to know why am I here? What am I going to do for my life? What direction do I want to go in? And then these spiritual practices help me find that a lot. And in your book, you, uh, uh, you dedicate a lot of time to talking about that as well. And uh, the one thing I really loved about it, um, you talked about finding purpose. So when people want to find purpose or direction in life, the main uh, thing they go to is thinking. They start thinking about it. What am I going to do? I'm thinking and you get into your thinking brain too much. And uh, one thing you're just saying is like, no, get into the present moment, get into that meditative state. And uh, that's where those answers of purpose and direction come to you more readily. And you'll start getting that clarity in life a lot better. And I I found that amazing because like, I I do remember like maybe a decade ago when I was start thinking about this kind of stuff, I was just in my head all the time. Like, what am I going to do in the future? Oh, I'll do this. And then this will happen. And then... And then your mind gets into that and like then nothing ever, there's no fruition to any of the stuff that you're thinking about. But when you start actually realizing that the present moment gives you way more answers and way more clarity, you become more inward directed and then you would rather go inside to kind of look for those answers and then they come to you more readily and then you just become getting that direction, clarity, purpose, all of those things start growing organically over time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a a um you know earlier we talked about states of consciousness now we're talking about stages of consciousness so a stage of consciousness is where you're at generally in your life it's like in spanish it's the two verbs of ser and a star ser is to be your stage and then estar is to be right now, your state. You can you can drink ayahuasca and be in a really high state of consciousness right now, but you can still be totally rude, totally disrespectful, totally chaotic, t- totally chaotic, totally dysfunctional, totally uncool in your life, and be at a low stage of consciousness. You know, and you can also be at a really high stage of consciousness and be having a bad moment and be in a low state of consciousness, even though your stage is high. So the stage of consciousness is like the climate, and then the state of consciousness is like the weather. Yeah, constantly changing. Yeah, exactly. Based on subtle circumstances, you know. Um, and so, so what we wanna look at is where are we in the process, you know? And so, so when it comes to being totally present, it's where am I right now? Sometimes you want to be in your head and you're like, I've got to think about a hundred things because I've got this master plan and, and the universe is doing something and the universe has my back and everything is changing and, and I'm manifesting my desires and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know what? Can you go just fold the laundry right now? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, meanwhile, the dryer's done. Yes, the universe is doing all those things. The universe does has your back, have your back. The, you are manifesting your goals. Go finish doing the dishes, do your laundry, you know, did you work out? Have you stretched today? 
brush your teeth, floss. Did you say a prayer? Call your mom. You know, uh, are you done with everything that you have to do? You know, being really present, you'd be surprised how much flossing regularly helps. And you won't really realize it until you do it and then you don't do it, you know? Uh, so, so it's the reality of these different things um, are, that, that we can do right now that make subtle changes that guide us on, on our path, you know. Um, and so when it comes to um, finding our purpose, we have to realize first and foremost that we already know your purpose. And your purpose is to love. Your purpose is to be loving. Your purpose is to heal. Your purpose is to grow. Your purpose is to expand, to experience human life and all that it has. Your purpose is to be here, and then you get to have creative input beyond that point. God lets you choose what colors of paint you want to use on the blank canvas he's given you. And so your light becomes your art. And that's why, you know, that's where the last chapter, the, the entire title of this particular book is called Modern Spirituality, A Guide to the Heart of Mindfulness, Meditation, and the Art of Healing. And so when you think about the art of healing, doing something artistically, you're living artistically. You want to know what kind of creative person you are? You want to know what kind of, kind of powers you, are, you have? Think about what you've created and not created in your life. That's the level of magic that you're at. That's the level of creative power that you have. The way you're living, how your relationships are, what are, mere, what are people back to you now? Uh, so the art of healing implies that your purpose can look a lot of different ways. The, the bodhisattva, we talk about the, the thousand-armed bodhisattva in the book. In each of her hands, she has a different tool because she knows who she is. She's, she's a bodhisattva, which means she's a compassionate, ancient being that will continue to reincarnate for the purpose of healing suffering. So she's going to incarnate as a baker and heal suffering through baked goods. She's going to incarnate as a uh, woodworker, and she's going to transmit loving kindness and compassion and heal suffering through woodworking. She's going to incarnate as a musician. That's why she has a violin bow in one hand. She has a pen in one hand. She has a paintbrush in one hand. She has a screwdriver in one hand. She has, you know, um, all, all different things um, in her thousand hands because it doesn't matter what she does. It matters how she does it. It matters the consciousness that she infuses it with. Marianne Williamson said in her book, A Return to Love, anything you do is infused with the consciousness with which you do it. And so the idea with that is it's your purpose might be being a comedian. Your purpose might be being a podcast host. Your purpose might be blank. It's, it has nothing to do with being a comedian or being a podcast host. It's about how you do it. So it's about what you bring um, as far as consciousness. And then you get to be creative. You get to create. You're supposed to create. It's supposed to be an expression of your own unique individuality from that point. Hell yeah. Uh, no, I agree completely. And uh, you're right. Uh, you're su supposed to create. And uh, yeah, you're like, I think spirituality always has this uh, essence to it of like 
finding that creative part of yourself and like being able to create your life and that's why it's so like empowering to like just the self as a person when when it comes to finding your purpose there's something in buddhism that comes to mind called the three jewels and the first jewel is the buddha the second jewel is the dharma the third jewel is the sangha and these three jewels you check back in with those three jewels and your purpose will be reminded you'll be you'll remember your purpose the the buddha is you in your buddha nature your buddha consciousness we're not worshiping an outside buddha buddha and christ are titles that means the highest nature within you the first jewel is your own purity, your higher nature, your spirit. That's the first jewel. You check back, back in with who you are, which is a child of the universe, a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a daughter, you're, you're a son or a daughter, a child of the universe. You're, a div, you're of divine origin. You're, you have the Buddha nature. So that's the first jewel. Remember what you are, because none of this other stuff is even relevant. So first and foremost, that's what you are. Secondly, the Dharma. That's the upward mobile trajectory, the healing uh, goodness, the spiritual trajectory. The Dharma is the, the purpose, which is the transmission of love and goodness into the universe. So the next thing is, are you on that vibe? Are you on the upwardly mobile energy vibe? Are you creating goodness? Are you, are you in love with the universe? So the first step, check in with the Buddha in you. Second step, check in with the Dharma. The Dharma is your purpose, your passion, the, the upwardly mobile trajectory. And the clue is the material universe is illusion. So it doesn't matter if you're a, a baker, a Quaker, or a candlestick maker. What matters is how you do it, that you're on the upwardly mobile trajectory. That's what Dharma is. Then the third one is Sangha. Are you surrounded by people who are with you? Are you surrounded by other people who are with you on that upwardly mobile dharma? Are you living with people who are supporting the dharma in you, supporting the Buddha? That's how you connect back into your purpose. Because if you have a disconnection from any one of those three jewels, you're going to have a you're going to experience a sense of disconnection from your purpose. Sometimes you're around people, and and you're you realize they are they are healthy, good. Sangha, I'm the one who's being negative. I'm the one who's disconnected from my dharma. I'm the one who's disconnected from the Buddha within, from my own Buddha nature, you know? And you begin to recalibrate those things, and then you realize, oh, maybe some of the people around me are not healthy people to keep in my life. If they, need to, if they need to get drunk every single time we go out, maybe I'm not gonna go out with them anymore. Maybe I'm gonna invite them to tennis. Maybe I'm going to invite them to take an online meditation class with me instead. You know, it's like you can interrupt the pattern. You can provide your own intervention. Um, but, it, but it first begins with getting present and checking in with those three jewels. Who are you? Why are you here? Who should you be surrounded by? Yeah, hey, that's really cool. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, so, like, usually at this point in the podcast, I ask the question, God, yay or nay, um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a big yay from you. <laughs> God, yay or nay. Well, can I ask you to define God in the question? Well, like, uh, my whole reason I love this question is because it uh, kind of gives the guest an opportunity to describe what their belief or what their what they think God is. And um, 
uh, like the one thing with you and Lisa, you've been kind of like uh, talking about in this whole podcast, more of like our higher nature, or like kind of our consciousness. Uh, um, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts you want to share on that yeah. at all? Yeah, maybe one or two. Um, the yeah, yay. God, yay. And I was thinking about it. It's not just God, yay, as in, yes, I believe that God's real. It's more like God, yay, with an exclamation point. It's more like God, yay. It's more like, what a really wonderful, good thing that God's real. Um, okay, so my mom sent an email to me and all my brothers just the other day. I have I have five brothers. And um, my mom sent an email, and she was talking about... Um, a spiritual realization she had and she was also talking about not liking the results of the election kind of being disappointed because she was a trump supporter and i'm and i worked for marianne williamson who was running for the democratic uh, nomination i campaigned for bernie sanders who was running for the democratic nomination and um i uh, voted for Joe Biden. So we have a disagreement in that one area, which is fine. Uh, people have disagreements. And, but what was so funny is when I saw that email, I just couldn't even deal. I couldn't even relate, couldn't even engage. And I just, and I just had to breathe through it. And it was like, you know what? She's having her own parallel experience, you know, and going into, um, going into this idea of God, yay or nay, is like, she is justifying her vote because of what she believes God to be and what God to be up to. And that's how I'm justifying my vote, you know? And so it was really an interesting thing to see how that belief or not belief in God is manifesting, you know? I think, and then so, okay, so I got really, really activated and I was like, yikes, I can't believe my mom's a Trump supporter. This is crazy. No. And, you know, you know, and it's and it was an automatic reaction because it wasn't even really how I feel. It was more about how the collective responds to that, what the collective energy dynamics around politics are. I experienced the collective dynamics around it automatically. It wasn't mine. It was a collective dynamic that I just experienced and processed through and breathed through. And then. I went on Facebook and I said, I'm so glad that God is real and mercy is infinite because OMG, I couldn't handle it. OMG, you know, <laughs> and, and the, the, what that means to me is uh, something that I love about Kabbalah is there's an expression, there's none else besides him. And we say him, it doesn't really mean gender. It means they or the one, it means him or, sh or her. And, um, there's none else besides him means there's nothing else besides the one. And in Buddhism, they say there is one life, but infinite points of view. And it doesn't mean there's one lifetime and infinite points of view. It means that the life that exists within your incarnation, within your body, that is alive, that's hearing these words right now, is the same as the life that's inside me speaking these words to you. There's one life. We're having parallel experiences, temporary separate ego experiences in these separate bodies, but there's one life. And you and I have different points of view and there are infinite beings in the universe. So there are infinite points of view, you know, and and that's the that's the healing idea that that theoretically at the core of all things can heal anything and everything through consciousness. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, actually, now that you were kind of mentioning like uh, how you were thinking about your involvement. So that's God. Yeah, that is God. <laughs> so and that's why there's cause to celebrate. You know, that's why that's why I said God. Yay! <laughs> lot of enthusiasm <laughs> uh, yeah because like uh, you I, I saw on your uh, Instagram that uh, you do uh, you're actually very involved in like politics science education and like you're uh, doing like uh, uh, what do you call it uh, kind of a show or not a show whatever it's called um, um, a talk with people uh, and you kind of talk about like this collective awakening in these areas um, do you maybe want to give us a little insight into like what you're working on and what you're like talking about with different people? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This week um, I'm really excited because I'm speaking at uh, an event called school of tomorrow. It's uh, through an organization called beacon house school and it's an educational system through Malaysia and Pakistan and a number of other um, Asian and Middle Eastern countries. And um, there are, uh, I, I believe, a, around 500,000 students that they serve through their networks. And I'm speaking at their annual conference this week um, on mindfulness in schools um, as a way to support the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Um, I love the UN Sustainable Development Goals, um, and so I'm super excited to be speaking on that at this wonderful international event in a way that can really help uh, help change the way people are experiencing education right now, uh, which is cool. Uh, and then I'm also speaking um, at the Emerging Sciences Foundation Symposium. They do a wonderful symposium every year with a lot of really cool uh, thinkers um and and this year for the first time i'm giving the keynote i've never given the keynote um it's actually my first time even speaking at it but i've been going to it every year uh so i'm speaking at it, i'm giving the keynote this year and that's the talk on collective awakening and the political renaissance it's more than a revolution that we need uh, we don't need to revolve and do the same thing over again revolve literally means going around in a circle so we don't need to do do any of this again Again, uh, been there, done that. Thank you. Can we all be present and have a collective intervention? Um, you know what? What I see uh, as the video that I'm going to be sharing for this talk for at the Emerging Sciences Foundation. I'm going to be sharing the intro that Marianne Williamson gave at the second Democratic debates last year, uh, which was very inspiring and very powerful and nonpartisan. Very spiritual and universal really excited about that and the concept there is that we need a renaissance we need creativity like we've never seen before in politics we need innovation intelligence open-mindedness compassion generosity um, experimentation um, all at once um, and and so the the way we're talking about it is Renaissance. I do live in a city called Venice. I live in Venice, California, and um, it is of course named for Venice, Italy, where the quote unquote Renaissance took place, where there was art and sculpting and inventions. Yeah. 
essentially uh, one of the one of the topics that we're that we're working with different groups on, and I am speaking about at the Emerging Sciences Foundation, which is wonderful because it's attended by a lot of different uh, community leaders uh, throughout emerging sciences. Um, but we're discussing about. Uh, the political renaissance um, and how people from different industries, especially the field of science, education, and uh, spirituality, creativity, and art, all getting all entering into politics, so that we have new kinds of minds solving these problems. That's uh, that's amazing, man. I, I love yeah, that. I also have um uh, uh it's not my book. I didn't write this book, but I have um, one of my students. Uh, Rachel Fox is coming out with her first book. It's called Meditations on Being, and I wrote the foreword to it. I wrote the foreword to the book, so Meditations on Being. It's a, it's a poetry book. It's a great contemplative meditation poetry book. Oh, that sounds so, amazing. Doing that and, uh, you know, a number of other things, but really the focus right now is around... Um, sort of opening up this this sort of warmer dialogue and exchange between different uh, spiritual traditions and communities so that we can have realer, more honest, more heartfelt, uh, more serious heart-to-heart -heart conversations around the biggest problems that are, are plaguing the, the world. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, man, that's so important right now. So, uh, no, I really appreciate that. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, uh, you were amazing. Um, why don't you uh, let our guests know uh, about your book and about anything else you want to promote and uh, where they can get a hold of you? Definitely. Uh, yeah, my name is Benjamin W. Decker. All the books are under that name. Uh, the, my first book, Practical Meditation for Beginners, came out in French this week. So that's available in French and Vietnamese and Chinese and English, which is great. Um, I've got four books. You can just search it. They're available everywhere books are sold. My website's benjaminwdecker.com. Um, a lot of free resources. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of uh, guided meditations on the Unplugged Meditation app. And I would love to engage with everyone on Instagram, benjaminwdecker. Hey, thanks so much, uh, Ben. I love, uh, this was great. Thanks a lot, Nor. Thanks for having me. All right, that was this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. It really does help. And also check me out on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, it's at NoorKidWai. On Facebook, it's NoorKidWai Comedian. I'm constantly putting updates about the podcast when new ones come out. I put up podcast clips. And, uh, yeah, I also put up comedy stuff, comedy dates, comedy clips, and different stuff like that. So uh, you can come check out, have a laugh, and get keep up to date on the podcast. Until next time, this is another episode of God Yay or Nay.